One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello and welcome to The Hotbed. Um, you're listening to our podcast. I'm Anarchy Somerville. <laughs> and I'm Lisa Williams. And we are The Hotbed Collective. We're a gang of merry maidens who are hellbent on making the world a better place, one orgasm at a time. Now we started this podcast because of two reasons. Um, one, we've discovered there's a massive orgasm gap between men and women. 30%. 30%? It's too large. And uh, the other one is that we thought there was a lot of talk going on about kind of extreme sex. Or, well, you know, obviously you can access porn online. You can have a look at all kinds of permutations of sex. But what about just the everyday having a quick shag under the duvet on a Sunday morning with a crumpet stuck to your chin? There's none of that kind of sex. So that's what we've formed the collective for, to talk about that. And hopefully you'll join us every week and listen and have fun and join in. Thanks. This is series four episode five and this episode is called how not to hate your partner after kids how not to hate your partner after kids how appropriate then that we actually have one of aforementioned kids here with us i know so you might hear um a little bit of cooing and gurgling um and it's it's greta who's really into chewing her fingers at the moment and she chews them so much that they're kind of pink and raw so i'm not quite sure but i think she's just discovered that she's got hands and she thinks these hands are are nice to chew on so that's what she's doing most of the day so far in the history of the hotbed there hasn't really been an episode recording which hasn't featured someone pregnant or some kind of baby Someone trying to get pregnant. Someone trying to get pregnant or a baby actually or a toddler in the studio, yeah. I don't think. So that's that's very appropriate for today. It is, it is. Um, and so, yeah, so we, I actually interviewed Jan C. Dunn, um, who has an amazing book out. Um, I mean, the cover alone, I think it's How Not to Hate Your Husband After Kids. And I think we shared it on our Instagram ages ago. We did. And we had so many people just, I mean, even on the title, just going, that is brilliant without even reading the book. Um, and so I speak to her. So I thought, I mean, one of those things that's kind of um, drives everyone crazy is kind of just after you've had a baby, your relationship tends to go onto the back burner and sometimes so far on the back burner that it's actually fallen off the off the top of the hob and onto the floor and smashed a bit. That's right. And is it Nora Ephron that says having kids is like setting off some kind of explosion in your relationship? It is. And not a good one? No, and I use that quote all the time, but I always get it a little bit wrong. I never quite do it right. But I mean, it's just, I suppose it's its difficult. I heard someone saying, and I think actually Jancy says it in the interview, that essentially what happens is that you can't hate the baby, mm. so you hate the partner. Mm. So you're kind of very resentful of the fact that you're not getting any sleep, you're feeling tired, mm. you're feeling kind of ragey and hormonal. 
But it's not permissible, obviously, to smack the baby around the head or shout Mm. at it or call it a swear word. Mm. So the partner tends to take the brunt of it. Has that been your experience, Lisa? Because obviously you're you're a year and a bit in now, aren't you? Well, second one, yeah. But I've also got a three and a half year old. I think it's just so many levels, isn't it? Because on the one level, you're physically, sometimes you're weak, you know, when you've had a baby, you're recovering. So that's bad. Your hormones are all over the place. You're sleep deprived, but also your life is gone. So quite often if you've gone from working and like, you know me, I mean, you and I were probably DJing every Friday and raving every Saturday and, you know, bar crawling every Sunday. Socialising with Dave Grohl. Absolutely. And then all of a sudden that rock and roll life just comes to complete end. You become obsessed with your local playground. That becomes the only place to go to. And, And then after a sudden you just look at yourself and you think, my eye bags are plentiful. My lycra is plentiful. My sweat stains are everywhere. I don't bother looking after myself because no one will see me. Mm. And what happened to that cool life that we had, Mm. you know? And don't talk to me about culture. Don't talk to me about professional life because my life is literally these three roads and that playground. And there's not much else that I want to relate to. And then the other thing with us in, in, in Hanwell, basically, is an obsession with little. (laughs) <laughs> so kind of most of the conversations in fact I often think if you took Little out of the conversation there wouldn't be much else because every I think it's every week Little has a special kind of theme mm. and it might be they usually do like Eastern European food or it mm. might be Indian or French but they also have obviously stuff that they sell so you're already falling asleep while I'm talking about it <laughs> but this actually becomes a real topic of conversation mm. and actually when the little um, brochure arrives through the door um, everybody talks about it. You know, what's on what's on the special? Have you seen the pyjama bottoms? Did you see it? They're selling tents. They were selling kayaks, actually, one week. I mean, you sound like you're digging this. You're actually digging it. You're not... There's no level of irony here. You actually well, are quite into this. The problem is there's no point fighting it. That's the thing. <laughs> um, you have to just sort of join in. Um, but yeah, she does... I mean, it's interesting. She talks about... We've had some... I mean, actually, this time round, Paul and I have been a lot better. We've not rowed. Mm. We've, we've kind of been a lot more mindful of one another. Um, but I think something that resonated with me that she talks about is this, uh, I think it's called a matriarchal gatekeeper. She mm. basically says that as mums, quite often what we tend to do is we take the lion's share of all the domestic stuff and the child rearing mm. and we're very controlling. And when our partner tries to help, mm. we tend to be um, upset because they're not doing it in the exact way that we would like them to do it. Mm, yeah, I've heard um, that before. And so we kind of, if you look at it from your partner's perspective, it makes it quite impossible to get things right, doesn't it, really? Yeah, there's a book called The Baby Whisperer, which is amazing. And, um, well, it's not going to be to everyone's taste, but I found lots of quite useful stuff in there and that brought up this concept of the gatekeeper as well and it Mm. basically said that if you can't hand over to your other half then you're being overly controlling and Mm. she was quite straightforward about that it wasn't like oh let's be nice to the new parents it was actually just like you're being controlling if you won't let them help you Because even when your partner comes home, if you've been at home all day, Mm. that first initial bit when they come in the door and you basically sort of bombard them with very inane conversation, (laughs) which I mean, when I, you know, Paul will come in and I usually sort of say, okay, well, she had a bottle at about 10 and then she had a nap for half an hour. She's supposed to have 45 minutes, but didn't. And Mm. then she went back to sleep again at one. Then I went to little and I came back again. And uh, I can see his eyes are glazing over because there isn't any highlights in there at all. Yeah, and quite often how they react can really can really affect you. So if they say, how was your day? That is so much nicer than what have you been doing all day? Mm. 
which implies that you've been doing nothing. And I kind of, you know, from the outside, it looks like you have been doing nothing, but you've been doing shitloads. And so that's a little thing. I think I, what I found useful, weirdly, I mean, this is kind of why the hotbed is here, because I wrote, I started writing about sex after kids and relationships after kids and realised that lots of people were also finding it very difficult and there wasn't much to help you navigate this, mm. you know, post-apocalyptic landscape of, of, of relationships and sex after kids. And I think your sex life can really take a tumble. And we've written about this a lot, just in the sense of your hormones mm. dipping. You have no sex drive. You are exhausted. You are busy. There are children in the house. And it has to take a bit of a backseat. And that can be really upsetting. Mm. But I think if you understand it and you know why that's happening, and if you can talk about it, and if you feel supported by your mm. partner, then it can get easier. And you can go, well, we'll have our sex life back, or we'll just have to change it a bit. So that's kind of interesting but what helped me I think has been doing this podcast and talking to some amazing experts mm. so listen to so if you're new to our series listen to a former episode called Dr Karen Dr Karen Dr Karen which is a guest spot with Dr Karen Gurney and she has loads of really amazing advice mm. and another one is one called I hate you so much right now which oh, was yeah. with Angela Matanda from Relate and she said something which has resonated with me ever since when I asked her about the tired Olympics, which is where you both complain about how tired you are. Mm. And I said, how do you get out of that? Because it's a really difficult conversation to get out of. And she said, remember that you are on the same team. And I think that's true for a lot of things, actually, is don't pretend, don't try and fix it. And that, But that's yeah. a male and a female thing, because I think men will often fix it and so when I used to work in an office Paul would always say to me just tell him to fuck off you know if I was like someone was really rude to me in a meeting oh great or, solution you know, Paul and, I'd be, and he'd be like why don't you just tell him to fuck off or you know call them a C-U-N-T um, and obviously that wasn't particularly useful um, but all I wanted him to do was to go do you know what they sound like an asshole. so I'm sorry you've had a shitty day yeah know, exactly kind of cool Sh- should we listen to Jancy let's listen to Jancy come on Greta let's listen to her Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. 
we just wanted to talk to you because I think um, we discovered your book, oh, I don't know, whenever it came out, actually. So it must have been last year. And we absolutely loved, we loved the cover and the title, <laughs> um, but we loved the whole package as well. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? And I, I mean, we love your book, but just tell us a little bit about what inspired you to write it. I write articles for newspapers, magazines. I've written a couple of books. And I just finished a book with Cindy Lauper. I co-wrote her autobiography and I was casting around for an idea. And I'm used to examining my own life. And I thought, is anyone else, any other new parents out there fighting all the time like my husband Tom and I are? We were together for about nine years before we had a baby. And during that time, we almost never fought, which is annoying, but it's true because I had dated a series of losers before I met Tom. And then when I met him, I almost fell into his arms. And we're both writers. We both don't like loud noises, like to read books. So we just didn't really fight. But then when the baby was born, we fought all the time. And it was just baffling. And... I remember thinking, are, are other friends feeling this way? And it's just something that just isn't really talked about, even though a lot of parenting uh, at this point is picked over. The whole fighting thing isn't as much. And I just, I felt so isolated and alone. And then you go on your social feed and everyone who's had babies, everyone looks well slept, that they haven't just called their husband a dickhead. I'm from New Jersey, so you basically use a lot of uh, variations of the word dick when you get angry and yell at your husband. And we had the dynamic too, where I would yell at him. I would get upset and yell and he would just close me off. It's known as stonewalling and just wait for me to simmer down. Only it, it only makes things worse and you yell more loudly. So I thought, okay, maybe I could write a book about this. I wrote this book proposal. It flowed out of me in five minutes. I, I said to my agent, eh, send it around, see if anyone cares. And 13 publishers called me in for meetings. And inevitably, it would be this you know, department head or the head, the actual publisher, it would be a female. And she would say, oh, I hate my husband. I, I don't know what's going on at home. And so I realized that a lot of people were sort of mimicking this dynamic that we had where outside of the home it's the 21st century and inside of the home it's the 50s and I mean there's lots and lots of advice in your book and I mean what's great about it is you use I mean you use a lot of your own personal experience in there and it's quite gritty isn't it at times but I mean what what was the kind of best advice that you got in there I mean is there something because I mean there is so much you know you open up a women's magazine and you often find kind of relationship tips and you know how to keep your relationship fresh and it, sometimes it can be a bit of a cliche but what, what do you sort of think worked for you and your and your other half? When I wrote the book, I had had a lot of access to a million different kinds of experts just in my magazine writing life. And so I consulted for the book neuroscientists and social scientists and counselors and child psychologists and even the two um, FBI agents. I, I had been at the gym and I was looking on the television there was this bank heist in Texas or something, and crisis negotiators had burst in. This guy was waving a gun around, and he was raving, and they calmed him down in three minutes. And I thought, huh, that's interesting. I wonder what techniques they use. They must have some sort of standardized techniques, right? I mean, it took no time at all. 
So I got in touch with the former crisis negotiator of the FBI. He was there for 30 years, and he's my friend now, Gary. We recently had dinner in New York, and he gave me the best advice that I go to time and time again in the book. And what I found interviewing all of these experts is there was a common theme, and it was that people want to be heard even people robbing banks. They just want to be heard. And that was a a big problem with me and Tom is I felt like he wasn't hearing me. I would say, you know, I'm doing all the work. What's, I I, I feel alone. I feel like you're not my partner. And it just wasn't getting through to him. My own personal situation, it's funny that you're saying this because it's ringing so many bells. And one of the most infuriating things is when they make no response at all. So, you know, the kind, so you, you're telling the story, which is usually, for me at the moment, it's a very boring one about feeding schedules or what, you know, what I've done during the day, which is quite limited. Um, and then and then just but just no, just a silence, a sort of, a, a, you know, the, there's no kind of agreement or disagreement. And then it really does feel like you're, you're not really being acknowledged, doesn't it? It just feels like you're being ignored. There's actually seven ways that you can calm down an agitated individual, as Gary called them. And Tom uses those techniques with me to this day, and they really do work. Even when you know that your partner is using them, it's still funny. Like, okay, he would... So so one of the techniques is paraphrasing, and all that is is simply repeating what your partner is saying in your own words, because that indicates, I hear you, I'm tracking you, I hear what you're saying. And so if I was saying something to Tom, you know, then you use the phrase like, so what I'm hearing is, or, you know, something like that. And he would say, okay, so what I'm hearing is you're upset that that I don't know the name of Sylvie's pediatrician. And I would say, yes, that's it. It's Dr. Gordon. You should know that. But because he was listening to me, it it had the effect of immediately taking the wind out of my sails and calming me down. Even if he's casting around and he doesn't understand why I'm angry, it still breaks the tension because sometimes it can be funny. Like he will say, okay, so what I'm hearing is you're upset that I walked around the bag of garbage you left by the door on the way out of our apartment. And I'll say, no, I mean, that was annoying, but no, that's not why I'm upset. And and even that kind of works. So just being, indicating that he hears me is huge. And, you know, there are other techniques that the FBI uses. Um, one is called offering minimal encouragements. That's simply when, if I'm talking about something and I'm upset, all Tom has to say is, yes, uh-huh, I see. Yep, yep, yep. It's hard to get angry at someone who's saying, yep, yep, yep. Another is mirroring. If I'm talking and I say, you know, I go on a rant and then I say, and I wish you would help. He says, and I wish you would help. It's just repeating the last few words of what the person's saying, but it absolutely is so disarming. So that was the best bit of advice, really, that I apply all the time is that, you know, as long as I'm feeling heard, it's, it's, such a game changer. And and also, I mean, this is the advice that I sort of give to myself is that I would, I, I constantly, I feel like I have to maintain all this advice all the time. It's not like I wrote the book and everything's amazing now. We still have to check in with each other and I still have to remind him that I don't want to do all the work and, you know, 
kind of manage things a little bit. But to me, it was very important for me to stay on my own side. And in terms of my stress response, it's better to remind him, I hate the term nag, it's so gendered, but like to say like, can you please do this? Or, you know, hey, I I need Sunday off, I'm doing this. It's better than silently fuming and feeling resentful. It's um, it's difficult, isn't it? Because sometimes I think women have this um, thing where they want to control. Um, they want to have a lot of control. So certainly when it comes to the baby, sort of how it's fed and how often and, you know, what time it has naps. And that can be a lot of the t- thing that occupies your brain. And actually, you, you're kind of, it's funny because you're talking about changing the status quo, but you're almost, you're not allowing them to take control and do things their way because you've got a very sort of didactic way of doing, you know, you're kind of like, this is how it's got to be done and you've got to do it exactly the same. And then you get cross if it's not done exactly the same. Um, and then you're actually just just making more work for yourself because you're ending up having to do it all yourself, aren't you? Okay, you really hit on something there because it's called maternal gatekeeping. And it is the process in which a woman limits or, you know, keeps a man away from the children. And it's, you know, you can either open the gate or you can clang it shut. And I realized that I was doing it all the time. If I could time travel and go back to when we had the baby, I would change what I, I, I would I would start from the beginning and 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 really try not to do that. I was I was the classic person where if Tom was bathing the baby, I would I would say, Oh well no, you're drowning her. No, hold her up. You have to put your hand under her head. No her her windpipe it's it's closing off. I, I she's turning blue. You know, I would hang over him like like some sort of hawk and it was so annoying and so it's criticizing the person it's it's saying give her to me it's it's criticizing the father and saying oh uh, just let me do it just let me do it was my classic phrase or even it's nonverbal communication like rolling your eyes or making a snorting noise when they're fumblingly attempting to do something with a baby this sort of behavior verbal and nonverbal puts off a hesitant father. And at first, aren't we all hesitant? I think back on when I brought the baby home from the hospital, I didn't know anything. Yes, I babysat. Yes, I had two younger sisters. It doesn't matter. I did not know a thing. And so it was it was this kind of self-fulfilling thing where I would push him away, do everything, and then he would feel incompetent. And that made it so. And, you know, another thing is that I realized I was... I was pushing him away when I started becoming aware of maternal gatekeeping, pushing him away in so many different, even subtle ways. Like I was texting with a bunch of my mom friends and we were talking about something that happened in the playground. And Tom said, Ooh, you know, you're, you're cackling what's going on. And I said, Oh, you wouldn't be interested. Well, that's, that's even maternal gatekeeping. He would be interested. It's his daughter. And and so I had to really check my behavior. Thinking about, I guess, um, sort of what happens to your sex life after kids. What um, what do you think sort of advice would you give there? Because you've obviously got the the sort of notion of sort of calming yourself down and listening and sort of paraphrasing what they've said to you. Um, but the whole sex thing is difficult, isn't it? Because quite often you just don't feel up to it. You know, of course, it's hard to want to have sex when you've been around children all day, their sticky hands are all over you, you're touched out, among other things. And then, of course, you know, you're deranged from 
hormones, you have no sleep, you are, you, there's financial problems. You know, there, there's so many things that get in the way of having sex. And also the resentment. I mean, at least for me, there was a through line between my resentment and and my desire. So, you know, we tried a bunch of different things. We interviewed, I interviewed um, Esther Perel, among other sex experts, and she's such a rock star. And so she gave us some really good tips. And one is that our dynamic was pretty much that Tom wanted sex and I was just too worn out and also sometimes resentful. So she kind of counseled us to put the onus on him. And so she said to create a space where desire could happen, but not not always had to happen. And that was helpful because it took the pressure off of me to perform. So, you know, for instance, when he would, when we would, we'd be about to go to sleep and he would hug me and then I'd get the old like stick him up in your lower back. Y'all know what I'm talking about. And I would think, no, I would, ca- time was always a problem for me because you're so obsessed with sleep and you so commodify sleep that I would think, okay, I, I can't, this is going to take half an hour or whatever. And, and I would think, okay, no, I'm going to get six and a half hours. Forget it. So one thing I said to Tom was, if you can create a little more time for me, that would be so helpful. So he put the baby to bed, but by then she was a child, half an hour early. She couldn't tell time yet. And so he created a half an hour and that made me feel a lot better. Another was, again, to create space for desire. This is so cheesy and like cosmopolitan magazine-ish, but he would give me a massage and he, and kind of the, the expectation was, okay, if something happens, great. If it doesn't, I'm fine with that. He wasn't fine with that, but a 50% chance of getting some action is better than a 0% chance. So he calculated the odds. So he would give me an actual massage and not like a two second shoulder scrunch like he normally does. And that often worked. Another was, hey, let's sit and make out for 15 minutes with no expectation of doing anything further. Well, making out is a very uh, great way to get started. And so again, more often than not, I would be ready to go further. Um, you know, we, we went to a couple counselors and another one was saying that for women, I hate to make these things so gendered, but there is some research on this, that, that words are important. And this goes back to, you know, being heard. But for me, Tom, my husband is more of, he conveys affection through actions. He's not Mr. Verbose. And so that was lacking for me. And I said, if you just, you know, this counselor told us, lay down on the bed after you've put the kid to sleep and and have him tell you some sweet words, give him some compliments. You know, I certainly wasn't feeling super sexy after the kid and I wobbly this and leaky that. And so he would give me compliments. The first one he gave me was, you know, you're an amazing mother. That did not necessarily, um, you know, turn my crank, but then he gave me other compliments. And in fact, that worked nicely because I felt seen, not only heard, but seen. And it worked. And, and you know, another thing is that we tried for once a week, having sex once a week, which if, you, if you've if you just had a baby, even that sounds like a little extreme. But 
It's the ideal for maximum well-being, according to this study of over 30,000 adults. It was this huge study. And it was all types. It was people that had been together for a really long time. It was people that had just met, people with kids, people without kids. And they found that once a week was the sweet spot. More than that, and happiness leveled off. And there was another important study. Um, it, no, it was a survey of uh, sex therapists. And they all estimated that the the best, the, the ultimate... Um, amount of time for intercourse is seven minutes. Any more than that? And I don't know what happens, chafing or something, but, and I thought, okay, seven minutes, if it's just the intercourse part, once a week, you can handle that. And so I tried, I tried for us to have sex once a week and I'm okay with scheduling if that's what you have to do. I mean, you know, whatever works. And the more sex you have, the more you want. We even did this experiment where you have sex for seven nights in a row, which horrified both my sisters and all my mom friends. But it, it really is true that when you're back in the saddle, so to speak, it, it actually does help and you actually want it more. So we did have sex for seven nights in a row. It's called a sex experiment. Isn't that cheesy? But it did, that did help too. So you know, it, it was important and it does, it does foster a connection and, um, but it can be easy. You know, we had quite a long drought after I had the baby, but, um, but it, it helps to pay attention to it and to talk about it. When I was resentful, there was no way I was going to have sex with him. And so we had to keep the lines of communication open. What do you sort of think about counselling and, and do you think it's worth, is it worth trying? I suppose it is. I mean, it's a bit of a silly question. Of course, it's worth trying. But what what have you seen sort of couples who have been through it and have really seen a benefit at the end? I cannot say enough about how important I think counseling is. And let me tell you, before I wrote the book, I thought that counseling was a big old waste of time. Couples counseling, that is, because I thought if you're at the point where you need counseling, then just proceed directly to divorce court. I mean, I was very extreme about it. And I thought, why would you throw away that money when it seems like you're just going to split anyway? But for the book, we visited a number of counselors, um, including one who uh, he was $800 an hour and he basically yells at you. But I really now, of course, see the value in having a third party forensically examine your relationship. It's so murky. It's, 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 it's just hard to get clarity. It's hard to get clarity on your relationship when you have a kid or kids because there's just no time. There's no time to communicate. There's no time to set the pause button and figure out what you're doing right and wrong. And also, especially with the guy that yelled at us, believe it or not, like I find it incredibly bracing and exciting that he would say, okay, you need to change this. And then he would point to me and you need to change that. Like there's something refreshing about it. Because listen, if you're confiding in your friends or your sisters or whomever, of course they're going to say, oh, he's a jerk, you know, oh, you go girl. It's it's not, that's not what it's, that, that doesn't help you. And so just having sort of a, a neutral third party, I think is so key. If I could go back in time, oh, I would have gone to counseling with Tom before we had the baby. There's a number, at least in the United States, of kind of um, pre-child counseling sessions that you can take. Um, there's one that Gottman Institute has a famous one called Bringing Baby Home. And had I had I known then what I do now, I would have completely done that because Tom and I talked about 
the silliest things when when I was pregnant about like, oh, what color are we gonna paint the baby's room? Nothing significant at all. Nothing about who was gonna stay home with the baby when she got sick. I mean, just practical stuff. And even bit larger issues about religion or what do we think of timeouts or, or things that sort of become important to you or not important to you when the baby arrives, they, they kind of, you know, you, you focus on them all of a sudden. Um, so I, I highly recommend counseling. And I know a lot of people will say to me, oh, I don't have time. But, you know, counselors have adjusted to the needs of people in, in contemporary life. And I know counselors who will do three-month sessions, and then you're done. Because I know some people have a fear, oh my God, are we going to go to this session on Tuesday night for the rest of our lives? No, not necessarily. Other people give, again, Skype chats, or, you know, they'll they'll do, they get, at least in the United States, counseling costs a lot, and our healthcare, our lovely healthcare system doesn't pay for mental health, by and large. But, you know, they'll, they'll, take payment on a sliding scale. Um, There's all kinds of ways. If you are willing, there's all kinds of ways to do it. And I think it helps so much. It's like going to the gym for your relationship. Why would you not um, maintain it and see what you're doing right and wrong and work to improve it? One thing that was really helpful to me with a couple of the counselors that we went to is having a plan. Modern life, when you have a child, it's it's so crazy. It's so chaotic that just having a clear plan of how to talk to each other was tremendously helpful one counselor um this guy his name is guy winch in the united states in in new york and he was just he said remember this always that when you have a baby you have to, everything has to be negotiated nothing's going to happen organically ever again because that was another problem i had i thought that oh we'll have a baby and we'll just work it out like we always have no 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 you have a brand new relationship. There's nothing in your relationship that has not been touched by the child. I think we've covered everything. I mean, it's it's um it's amazing talking to you. I wish we were face to face actually, because I think we would probably talk for quite a few hours. And I just I feel at the moment I'm right in the thick of it, so I'm kind of like so keen. You can probably hear the baby crying actually in the background. Um, so I'm just about to go down and not not critique him on what's going on and listen and paraphrase exactly what's what he's thinking and saying. Right, so that was Jen C. Is she the one, by the way, that did that sex experiment where she, when they weren't having sex, she and her husband tasked themselves with having sex every day for like seven days? They did days. it for seven days, mm. yeah. Um, and I don't know whether that was, because I, I remember reading about that in a magazine. I think she did a whole article about it as well as in the book. Um, and she does talk about it. And I think it's that whole philosophy that basically that if you do it, you want to do it more. Yeah. And so she did say it worked. Um, she said, you know, obviously the first time you want, you really don't feel like it. Mm. Um, I suppose the difficulty is when is the right time to do something like that? Because I'm still feeling at the moment, sort of three months in, that it, I, I really don't fancy that at all. You're still really, really tired. I think it might be quite... I mean, I don't know if that advice is for just immediately after you've had kids. I think it's probably more like if there's been a bit of a sex in. drought. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, but listeners, this could be some homework for you have sex every day for seven days if you've got with your partner not with seven different people i mean that's like something from the craig david song craig david so um funnily enough we should mention our festival appearance shouldn't we 
I know. I can't quite believe this because I am. I'm not a big festival goer. I must say, every year I sort of watch as the Instagram feed fills up with various images of people with very inventive costumes on, dancing around, having lots of fun. And then I always love the fact that afterwards, if I speak to anyone, they tell me how appalling it was and how they basically <laughs> shat themselves and had diarrhoea and there was no decent food and all of that stuff. And the tent collapsed. Yeah, and, and it's couldn't... a typical thing of that Instagram thing versus reality. Yeah. Um, have you seen that? Because a lot of people have been talking about it, this documentary on Netflix about the pretend festival that this guy set up. Yeah, Fire Festival. Fire Festival. Because mm. um, I thought that was quite funny because that seemed to be a really strong example of how Instagram festival kind of worship goes a bit pear-shaped. I think you're either a festival person or you're not. I think Fire Festival is separate because it was never going to be a festival and it was they were very unscrupulous with how they planned it and rinsed everyone for their money. But general festivals for me are... I like watching them from home, from the comfort of my own home. I love watching Glastonbury at Love home. it. And when you go to Glastonbury, God, you have to walk so far between mm-hmm. stages. And I don't really like drop toilets, don't really like sleeping in a tent. I mean, I don't really like people. So actually, they're mm-hmm. not for me. But mm-hmm. on the other side, on the other hand, we are very excited to be speaking at Camp Festival. I know, and that is exciting. And we'll have to start planning our outfits as well, because I'm sort of expecting that we won't be able to just rock up there in a... In a Zara frock, there'll be an expectation that we've got to do something a bit glitter. better. Glitter. It needs glitter. And we'll have to have the uh, ubiquitous glitter on the cheekbones. And perhaps the, the, but the feathery headdress is now not PC, so we won't be doing that. No, that's, that's cultural appropriation. Exactly. So I think, uh, I think actually the High Low did a whole episode about that. We mm. discussed that. Yeah. Um, so we're doing a talk and it's called How Not to Hate Your Partner After Kids. We will be using some of Jan C's knowledge and wisdom and tips. We will be featuring some special guests and we would love it if you came down to watch us i think we are on the sunday at camp festival and we will put the link in bio there's loads of other brilliant people performing so if you've heard the podcast all right for a mum they're our friends they're also doing a show scummy mummies obviously mm. mrs hayward is doing a piss up playlist or a fizz up playlist and some disco-y stuff emma from ladyland is going to be doing a crafting session for people who hate craft so we'll see you at camp festival Hooray! And listen to our episode next week, which is all about transgender. Transgender! Bye! Bye! Well, we hope you enjoyed our episode today. We can't get by on just a few crumbs here and there, so please do like, subscribe, review on iTunes and recommend Word of Mouth Works as well um, because we want to get as high as we can into the iTunes chart and take over the world. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. 
Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.